Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Sunday, May 24th episode of Poets and Muses, where we chat with poets about their inspirations. I'm your host, Imogen A-Rate. You can find us at poetsandmuses.com, as well as via Instagram and Twitter under Poets and Muses. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter either at poetsandmuses.com or at the upper right-hand side of our Poets and Muses SoundCloud page. In addition to our website and SoundCloud, you can now listen to our episodes on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, as well as Stitcher. With us today is Elizabeth Belt, with whom I will be discussing her poem, The Bird Whisperer, and my poem, Surviving Without Her. Before we do that, however, I am going to go over some virtual poetry events taking place during the week of May 25th. On Monday, May 25th, from 4 p.m. Eastern Time, Nuijinan TV will be broadcasting the third of their 20-episode Nuijinan Wind Carries Challenge, where anybody can participate but only indigenous youths between 8 and 25 years old are eligible for prices, including the grand prize of a MacBook Pro. You can find out more information about that at facebook.com forward slash events forward slash 644-547-309-458-680. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash events forward slash 644-547-309-458-680. From 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time, Spit That and Wooly Mammoth will be putting on their Spit That Digital Say Nerd event, where one of our past poet guests, Sean Avery, and myself will be among the participants. This will take place via Zoom, and you can register at woollymammoth.net forward slash events. Again, that's woollymammoth.net forward slash events. That's W-O-O-L-L-Y-M-A-M-M-O-T-H. On Tuesday, May 26th, from 1.30 to 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time, PEN America, the Center for the Humanities at the Graduate Center in CUNY, and the Coleman Center for Scholars and Writers at the New York Public Library will be putting on Global Echo Poetics with Forrest Gander and Raquel Salas Rivas. This will take place via Zoom, and you can find out more information about that at centerforthehumanities.org forward slash programming forward slash translating hyphen the hyphen future. Again, that's centerforthehumanities.org forward slash programming forward slash translating hyphen the hyphen future. From 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern Time, Urban Word NYC will be hosting its weekly first draft open mic virtual writing workshop and open mic series facilitated by Royal Marsh. This is for writers between ages 13 and 23. It will take place via Zoom. You can find out more information and register at urbanwordnyc.org forward slash first draft. Again, that's 
urbanwordnyc.org forward slash first draft. From 5 to 5.30 p.m. Pacific Time, Arizona Masters of Poetry will be hosting its Speak Poet event via Instagram Live at Arizona Masters of Poetry. Again, that's Arizona Masters of Poetry. From 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time, the Tiny Cover will be hosting its weekly virtual poetry night via Zoom. And you can find out more information and register at thetinycupboard.com forward slash events. Again, that's thetinycupboard.com forward slash events. From 6 to 7.30 p.m. Pacific Time, the Virginia G. Piper Center for Creative Writing will be hosting Right Here, Right Now, Family as Prophecy with our past poet guest, Anna Flores. And you can find out more information about that at piper.asu.edu forward slash write hyphen here hyphen write hyphen now. Again, that's piper.asu.edu forward slash write hyphen here hyphen write hyphen now. Write is W-R-I-T-E. From 6 to 8 p.m. Pacific Time, Connect and Heal will be hosting its weekly poetry writing workshop via Zoom. You can find out more information about that via meetup.com and look for Chandler Prose and Poetry Meetup. Again, that's meetup.com. Search for Chandler Prose and Poetry Meetup. On Wednesday, May 27th, from 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time, Nguijinan TV will be hosting its weekly Nguijinan Scott Talent Showcase for indigenous youths between 13 and 25 years old. This would take place via Instagram Live, and you can RSVP at Nguijinan TV. That's N-W-E-J-I-N-A-N-T-V. Again, that's N-W-E-J-I-N-A-N-T-V. On Thursday, May 28th, from 6 to 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, POW Arts Center will be hosting its Chinatown Presents Finding Home at Home with Shami Ali Naim and Bao Fi. This will take place via Zoom, and you can find out more information and sign up at bcnc.net forward slash events. Again, that's bcnc.net forward slash events. From 6.30 to 8 p.m. Eastern Time, Center for Book Arts will be hosting its Spring Brassai Reading 2 with Anna Gerton Wachter and Selena Su. You can find out more information about that at centerforbookarts.org forward slash events. Again, that's centerforbookarts.org forward slash events. From 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Time, Spit That DC will be hosting its weekly open mic via Instagram Live at Spit That DC. That's S P I T D A T D C. Again, that's S P I T D A T D C. From 6 30 p.m. Pacific Time, Tin House and Skylight Books will be hosting its poetry night with Jana Zhang, Tommy Pico, Morgan Parker, and Khadija Queen via Zoom. 
and you can find out more information at skylightbooks.com forward slash event. Again, that's skylightbooks.com forward slash event. From 7 to 8 p.m., Phonetic Spit will be hosting its weekly open mic via Instagram Live at Phonetic Spit. That's P-H-O-N-E-T-I-C-S-P-I-T. Again, that's P-H-O-N-E-T-I-C-S-P-I-T. From 9 to 10.30 p.m. Pacific Time, Kevin Wong will be hosting his Introverts Paradise open mic via Zoom. You can find out more information about that at kevinwongcomedy.com forward slash shows. Again, that's kevinwongcomedy.com forward slash shows. On Friday, May 29th from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. British summertime, Flava will be hosting its poetry night, Latinx Poetry at Home with Flava via Zoom. You can find out more information at flavafestival.co.uk forward slash event forward slash 1368. Again, that's flavafestival.co.uk forward slash event forward slash 1368. Flava is spelled F-L-A-W-A. Again, that's F-L-A-W-A. From 7 to 9 p.m. Central Time, Luya Poetry will be hosting its APAM Poetry 2020 Workshop Number 4 via Zoom. And you can find out more information about that on Instagram at Luya Poetry. Luya is L-U-Y-A. Again, that's L-U-Y-A Poetry. From 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific Time, Shade Literary Arts and authors, large and small, will be hosting the second of their third virtual benefits reading for queer writers of color. This will take place via Zoom, and you can find out information about that at facebook.com forward slash events forward slash 268-821-633-806-5517. Again, that's Facebook.com forward slash events forward slash 268-821-633-806-5517. From 9 to 10.30 p.m., Kevin Wong will be hosting another Introverts Paradise open mic via Zoom. And you can find out information as before at kevinwongcomedy.com forward slash shows. That's kevinwongcomedy.com forward slash shows. Wong is spelled W-O-N-G. On Saturday, May 30th, from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Pacific Time, the Center for the Study of Race and Democracy will be hosting its Dispatching Poetry from the Hono Autumn Territory Writing Workshop led by Bojan Lewis via Zoom. You can find out more information about that at csrd.asu.edu forward slash poetry. Again, that's csrd.asu.edu forward slash poetry. From 6 to 8 p.m. British summertime, Women of Words will be hosting its Wine and Rhyme, an evening of writing, poetry, and spoken word. You can find out more about that on Instagram at women underscore of words. Again, that's at 
women underscore of words. From 6 to 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, New Women's Space will be hosting its open mic night online. You can find out more information about that at newwomenspace.com forward slash events. Again, that's newwomenspace.com forward slash events. From 5 to 5.30 p.m. Pacific Time, Arizona Masters of Poetry will be hosting its Speak Poet Saturday via Instagram Live at Arizona Masters of Poetry. Again, that's at Arizona Masters of Poetry. On Sunday, May 31st, from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, Peel Environmental Youth Alliance and Youth Troopers for Global Awareness will be hosting their virtual open mic, Climate and the Natural World, via Zoom. You can find out more information on Instagram at P-E-Y Alliance. Again, that's at P-E-Y Alliance. From 5 to 9 p.m. Pacific Time, Arts Corps will be hosting its Youth Speaks Seattle Grand Slam via YouTube. You can find out information on Instagram at Youth Speaks 206. Again, that's Youth Speaks 206. And now let us welcome our poet guest, Elizabeth Belt. Hi, Elizabeth. Thank you very much for coming on to Poets and Muses. Hi, Imogen. I'm glad to be here. Thank you very much for inviting me. Yeah, I really appreciate you coming on. You brought with you your poem, The Bird Whisperer. Before we talk about that, I would love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I live in Kentucky. I've just really started getting into poetry again just over the past year. Mostly, I've I've written a few novels that uh, I've been working on, mm. and so uh, poetry became more important when my partner came down with cancer, and it became a way that I could process my thoughts mm-hmm. and uh, and have time to to spend with her as well. Right. That sounds like she also really appreciated poetry. She did. She really did love poetry. And she she didn't write write it very often, but she she really she really did enjoy it. Right. She encouraged me in my writing. Mm-hmm. You said you came back to poetry. Were you in poetry before? What was what was that like? I went through a period where I wrote a lot of poetry in high school in my early twenties, and uh, mm-hmm. I was really bad at it. So I just kind of <laughs> gave it up. This time, coming back into it. Mm. In, in my 50s, it just seems that uh, I, I connect with it better. I, I think it's because I connect with it through nature. Mm-hmm. Nature just seems to resonate more of a, a, a selflessness so that you, you think more about what's going on in the world around you than what's going on with you. Right. It seemed to really help a lot with my writing. Right. So. Right. And... <laughs> Do you mind if I ask why you thought you weren't good at it? Oh, I had a lot of people that told me. No. <laughs> so, really? you know, oh. I had friends that were just very, very honest. And <laughs> I, I, I found that I was more, much more sensitive about my writing when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't like it, I just it just broke my heart. Mm. And, and now I'm at an age where I really, really want people to be honest. And if you hate it, that's fine. Tell me why. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, you know, it's something I can work with. Right. 
sometimes you get more out of people that don't like it than people that do. Right. Um, otherwise, you just hear, oh, it's nice. That's nice. And it's like, well, that doesn't tell me anything. So right. <laughs> um, I just, I worked with it better older, I guess. Mm-hmm. So you stopped because people were telling you that they didn't like your poetry? Yeah, mm. pretty much. And I had other things that I was working on, and I traveled a lot, and I just I was caught up in living life. Right. So it was just something I kind of came back to right. later on. Sorry, not with, like I said, with, a, with, with writing the novel. Then I came across uh, some of the poet sites on, uh, on Twitter, mm-hmm. and... They would have pictures that they would post, and they'd say, write about this. And I thought, well, this is something that's short and easy, and right. that's how it, it brought me back in. Right. And, uh, right. Yeah. and then I started thinking about my own photos and, and about just what I see out my own window. Yeah, yeah. It's nice to have a wealth of experience to draw on, right? Yes, yes it is. And in terms of the novel... Is writing prose something you always did as well, or is this something that's more recent? No, that's something that I've always done as well. I'm not with a lot of success. And by that, I'm not talking about publishing. I'm just talking about finishing, you mm-hmm. know, that it, just, it wasn't the right time for me. Mm-hmm. Everything that I would start, I couldn't really connect. And finally, oh, gosh, about three years ago, I just really connected, and I, I wrote something to completion, and I'm still editing it, but it makes a difference to be able to finish a book, and, right. Uh, right. and that just opened me up, I think, to writing other venues as well, and so, you know, when I wrote the poetry, I, I just decided it was kind of like a rough draft, that I didn't have to really care whether anybody liked it or not, I just had to be able to say what I needed to say. Right. And that, that made a big difference. Right, right. Yeah, poetry can have a very confessional quality to it, right? Um, right, and it's also very cathartic mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And because it's short and, you know, it doesn't need the story arc, you could just paint a vignette. It's very easy to enter and also exit out of it. Yes, well, I guess this is a good point for you to read the poem for us, and then we can talk about it. Okay. The Bird Whisperer. In autumn, when migration calls to their souls, hummingbirds pass through. A young one caught in our greenhouse begins to panic. I try to help, but am not tall enough. I call to you, two inches taller, and you reach up, fingers extended, becoming a perch. Time after for time, it flies, then rests, your fingers its haven. Your words cool in softly, till finally, one finger lays over tiny feet, and you step out and release. Forever, you are now the bird whisperer. If you don't mind letting us know about this poem, if you can tell us a little bit about what made you decide to write this poem. Two days before Thanksgiving, I lost my my partner to small cell lung cancer. Mm -hmm. This was an experience that she had that I had with her. Mm -hmm. She was kind of a Dr. Doolittle sort Mm -hmm. of person and really worked well with animals. And she just really loved hummingbirds. And I really 
didn't want this hummingbird to die in the greenhouse, and she came out, and when she got it, I had taken a video of it and uh, sent it to my best friend in Australia. She wrote back and called her the bird whisperer, and she was so tickled with that. <laughs> and when she died, I wanted to commemorate her in some way, and I thought that this sort of encapsulated a lot of who she was as a person. So that's that's what, what brought it about. Yeah, and I think you have previously mentioned that you had read it during her wake. Is that correct? No. Uh, she actually hasn't had one yet. Um, oh. I, I still, it's something that still has to be talked over with the family. She's been cremated and, and that's it. And mm -hmm. uh, so just, just talking with my niece about her, her, we both wanted a way to try to say something about her and, and I just said I, I either wanted to write a short story or poem and as soon as we got off the phone this just came to me and so I, I went with it right yeah can you tell us a little bit about her if you don't mind um sure and she was about 20 years older than me we met online mm -hmm. she was living up in Alaska mm -hmm. we drove across Canada and came down to Kentucky Mm. She was the kind of person that was just really a very practical-minded person. And, and at the point that she came down with cancer, she was more concerned about how everyone else was going to survive without her. Mm. She, she made sure that she and I had experiences with canning in our garden. She took care of her, uh, of her cremation a couple weeks before she died. She did all of that ahead of time. Mm -hmm. She made sure we'd taken care of our wills. She she had me keep a book and write down questions, things that I wanted to know about, that how to take care of myself after she was gone. She made me write down a list of, of, of things to do the day that she died, who needed to be contacted. And this is just the kind of person she was. She was very caring for others, um, and she touched other people's lives, everybody that met her was affected by her in some way, mm -hmm. from the, the clergyman through the hospice program. Even the people at the funeral home were very impressed with her. Right. She's just a very beautiful soul. Yeah. I'm very sorry for your loss. I guess we should tell the audience how we met, which is uh, somewhat random. Would you like to tell it? Sure, I can do that. It was Christmas. Jake Tapper had made some sort of a comment, you know, wishing a Merry Christmas. He had a scene, I think, of, of uh, Charlie Brown and the whole Christmas play. And I looked at that, and, and it just made me think of her because she loved Jake Tapper, and she watched him all the time. So I thought, well, you know, in her honor and thinking about her, I'm just going to message him. It doesn't make any difference. Right. I didn't expect him to message me back, but he did. And he asked me to t tell her, tell him about her. Right. And so I tried to, I think I shared a very condensed version of, uh, of what happened with the hummingbird. Uh, I didn't hear back from him again, but, but I heard from you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he shared um, a little gif about Linus saving this tiny little pine sapling with his blanket. 
and it was just very caring and it sounded very much like your aunt right you said aunt yeah, this is for Angela, yeah. Yeah. And you know, Ange, um, I wasn't sure because you have mentioned before, but we never had a chance to talk about it. I thought maybe you had spoken French or something because Ange actually means angel in French. Yeah, and her name is actually spelled the Latin for, an for angel, yeah. Angelia, A-N-G-E-L-I-A. Mm. And she, you know, pronounced it Angela. Yeah. So, yeah. And she, she said that when she passed on, that she would, she wouldn't leave me, that she wanted to be my guardian angel. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's just kind of an appropriate name for her. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really liked your poem. I know I didn't tell you on Twitter because I really wanted to um, get in touch with you about the possibility of, you know, having our conversation and, and it's such a touching scene, what you wrote about. And as we kind of touched on before, poetry could be just a vignette, yet it gives you such a window into what the person is like. Yes. And I yes, really... It doesn't, doesn't have to be long, like a book. No, it doesn't. Yeah, no. yeah. You don't have to be a homer. No. <laughs> and I really love some of these details that you put in. You said that this pretty much came to you, but I, I'm not sure if you've edited since then or if you've gone back to it, changed details about it. I have never changed anything about it, no. I just I liked it the way it came out. Right. I, I think the only thing that I changed was... I said finger instead of fingers, and that was about it. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, I, I it, it worked out well. A, a lot of poems I will go back over, but uh, every once in a while, you, you just you write one, and you know that the words just flow the way that you really meant for them to. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's it's really nice when that happens, right? And you can go back to it later on and still enjoy the same feeling that you had, the sort of satisfaction that you get when you first written it. Yeah. And I guess, I guess it's also because uh, I could visualize it. I mean, I, well, I can also look at the video. Oh, you took I a just, video. Huh? You took a video of uh, what happened. Yes. Um, yeah. During that last year, there were uh, quite a few times where she was just completely bedridden, mm -hmm. and she 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 couldn't do anything. She was just stuck, and mm -hmm. I really became caught up in my my photography. And I would go out and I would try to capture the world and bring it inside so that she could see what she was missing. Mm -hmm. Because I, I wanted her to feel that connection to life. And right. uh, yeah, I videotaped it. Wow! I wanted her to be able to see it and. It's a good thing that I did because as soon as she saw it, she's like, oh, you need to share this with, with your friend. And I did. And, well, she got that name and, and, uh, and uh, it really meant just the world to her. Yeah, yeah. And since you were able to take a video, I'm assuming this, uh, this actually took a quite good amount of time, this uh, process of saving the little bird. It did. It happened around sunset. Mm -hmm. It was out in the greenhouse. I tried to get it myself. 
I'm just I'm just not that tall. And it it took a long time for it to tire out. It probably took oh a good half hour or so right. for it to get tired enough that it was willing to just stay on somebody's fingers. Right. And, uh, she's just a little bit more patient with it, and so she did that. And I videotaped it so that she could look at it later, so that we could share it with family. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was such a beautiful little young hummingbird. Mm-hmm. It wasn't very old at all. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um. You you have mentioned before uh, about the fact that where you live is where. <laughs> You have a hummingbird festival, and can you t- tell us a little bit about that again, if you don't mind? Sure. I live in、uh, Western Kentucky. There's a a park down here called Land Between the Lakes, and、mm-hmm. every year they have a hummingbird festival that comes about the time of the the big hummingbird migration,、mm. and that, that、uh, usually takes place sometime around the first week in August.、Mm. So. When the hummingbird was actually caught in our greenhouse was in September, so it was a little bit later. But some of them will come from as far away as Canada,、mm-hmm. coming on down to go to Mexico.、Right. And at the festival, they would band them so that they could track them,、mm-hmm. and they would teach people how to care for them and and how to how to band them if you wanted that experience.、Mm-hmm. Uh, just just more on what to put in your feeders.、Right. It's just it's really a nice. Nice time to get together and to see a lot of hummingbirds all at once, and and they're all mostly ru- ruby-throated hummingbirds, which is what we get in our area. Right. Going back to your poem, I really enjoy the details that you put in here, even though it's a very short poem. Still, the fact that she's you know two inches taller, and just having you know all of these little little details come through. That give you a window into who Andrew was as a as a person, and to have such a beautiful memory, both from your perspective as it's being caught in this this poem and also on video. Yeah, I I guess at the time that that, that happened, I never thought about going any further than just the video. Right, but.、Uh... After she died, I just I was trying to find ways to capture her in in ways that I could experience through all of my senses with her.、Mm-hmm. I had another poem that I I wrote where I compared the feel of her skin with、uh, with smooth driftwood,、mm-hmm. and、uh, at the time I was consciously she was still alive, and I was trying to remember. Because I knew that there would be a time where I wouldn't be able to touch her anymore, and I would forget what she felt like,、mm-hmm. and just trying to find ways to to memorize her and、mm-hmm. uh, to be able to recall just the, the beauty and the love and and just the the light that she gave off and and shared with the world. Poetry is good for that. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a good vehicle for capturing. These little moments, and you know, concentrate on a feeling—not just the internal feeling, but actual the tactile feeling. And when you said smooth driftwood, I—I've seen that, so I understand how, like, silky that would feel. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Going back a little bit, if you don't mind, can you sh- 
tell us a little bit more about how you met? It sounded amazing. I know you said met online, but how did you get from that to driving down from Alaska? Um, well, uh, back in the early days of the internet, mm-hmm. and when they had chat rooms, mm-hmm. um, we met in a chat room, mm-hmm. and uh, we talked uh, for a few months, and then we just decided that we really liked each other, mm-hmm. and uh, that we liked each other enough, because it, it was, we knew it was going to be a financial thing for both of us, and if you're just jumping in blindly, you have to really feel like you know someone. Right. And uh, we decided that whether we, we headed off as uh, as lovers or whether we just became friends and roommates, that that we would be able to do at least that much. Right. And so she sent me a ticket, and I I flew from Iowa up to Alaska, and we drove across Canada. We took about a week doing it, and I wish we had taken a year because it was just such a beautiful journey, and there were. Right parts of Canada that we drove through, there would be like three cars on the road all day long, and we would be one of those cars. Mm -hmm. And so it was just like, the wilderness just belonged to you, and it was just great. And uh, when we came down here, we didn't have jobs, but uh, a friend of hers lived here and and was pretty sure we could get one, and we did. We Mm -hmm. got a job right away, and Mm -hmm. uh, we worked at the same place, which was great. we connected enough that we could spend 24 hours a day together and, and never really be sick of each other. Right. And uh, I, I think we were really lucky that in that way. Yeah. Especially because we did have a May-December relationship. And mm-hmm. so you know that you're going to end up probably outliving your partner. And mm-hmm. you want to make every moment count. And mm-hmm. the fact that we didn't get tired of each other really made a big difference in that way. We just, we did everything together. People had a hard time believing that we just chose to hang out with each other all the time, that we right. we didn't have to go off and do separate things with other people. We just, we really, really were each other's best friends, so. Right. Yeah, it's so wonderful to be able to find that, right? Because I was going to say, when you talk about driving across a country together, it really tests the strength of any relationship oh yeah especially when you're in a a little car and it's jam-packed full with somebody's possessions and so there's you and there's (laughs) her and you're both stuck in the front seat and there's pillows and everything piled up around you and you know she worked at a job that uh they loaded her up with food so we Mm. had all kinds of things to snack on all the way back down to kentucky and it was just lovely. She worked for a very lovely place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I just didn't think that I could uh, live in Alaska in the winter. I didn't think I could stand darkness. Yeah. It hadn't been that long ago that I had left Arizona. And mm. it was enough just trying to get used to cloudy days and yeah. <laughs> colder temperatures. And I thought, oh, I don't think I can do darkness. Mm. So we came down here and, you know, there was enough darkness here that to try to get used to. Right, right. Yeah, when you were talking about driving across Canada, I just thought about all these wonderful pictures that you see on a like a photography site. You know, all this open landscape, um, and and the incredible colors that you get to see. Was it like that? Or was it more? 
I mean, since it was winter. Yeah. It was, it wasn't winter. Um, it, it was in the summer. Oh, okay. Uh, we got together in July. Mm-hmm. And yeah, when we first met online, I, my friends said to me, you know, because I was going to move up to Alaska in the beginning. They're like, Alaska is kind of far to come and get you if this doesn't work out. So right. why don't you go ahead and move to Kentucky because we can drive down there easier. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, because I had the kind of friends that were willing to come and get you if you, if you get yourself into a bad relationship. But, That's um, great. I didn't need that. So yeah. uh, when we came through, I mean, you'd have sites like you'd be driving along the highway. And if you looked up, you know, you could see the doll sheep up there on the cliffs. <laughs> it was quite an experience. And mm-hmm. I didn't have a camera at the time. So mm. we didn't photograph any of it except for postcards we picked up. But right. it was just, it was beautiful. I mean, we, we planned on stopping at specific places. And we're able to. Um, mm-hmm. that places in British Columbia and, oh gosh, just even looking out at, uh, at fields of, I can't remember the name of the flower, but it makes canola oil. And uh, mm-hmm. all that brilliant yellow and seeing miles upon miles of brilliant yellow flowers. It was just fantastic. It was a wreaked havoc on my sinuses, but it was just beautiful. <laughs> beautiful to look at. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Wow, I feel like I had um, like uh, one of those nature, National Geographic videos running through the back of my head when you were describing all of that. It, it's quite a, such an amazing way to start a relationship, right? And to add to that the fact yeah. that you got along so well. Yeah, I, I think we would we definitely would have known on the road trip if we didn't like each other. Yeah. It was enough just really meeting in the airport, you know, the first time. Mm. And, uh, you know, because we really, I mean, you can send somebody a photograph, you know, but it doesn't really capture you. And no. this was before smartphones, so right. it wasn't like there were any instant pictures, you know. If you right. had a picture, you scanned it in and you know, that's how you sent things, yeah. and uh, sort of old-fashioned, you know. <laughs> oh, it was the times, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was It was very uh, state-of-the-art at the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Even though, obviously, she has now passed and it's recent, it sounded like you had not only just a good amount of time with her, but also a great time together. Because you got along so well, as you said. We did, and we connected a lot with nature. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, she did better with it. I mean, she was really into gardening, and I loved the garden because, you know, we would harvest everything and eat it. And uh, she mm-hmm. liked it just because she liked to plant it and take care of it. And right. I don't have a green thumb. I don't know what I'm going to do this spring, but <laughs> she just... She made everything came alive, and we had flowers everywhere, and we had a couple different houseboats and other boats because we have the lakes that are only 20 minutes away, and oh, wow. uh, so we spent a lot of time outside and mm-hmm. just really enjoyed it. We, we enjoyed our time together. We, we couldn't really, we didn't really take vacations during that time, mm-hmm. so what we did instead was we 
we did things like like buy a houseboat. I mean, they weren't expensive houseboats by any means. They were they were old, and we fixed them up. And mm-hmm. you know, we just would spend hours. It'd be like our, our weekend home. Right. And, uh, that's what we would we would do. And nature was enough of a. It, it was it was enough. It didn't have to be more. Right. Right. Yeah, I was gonna say when you have that already, when you have this. The you know companionship, the camaraderie, all of these things already at your fingertips. You don't need to go on vacation, get away to get that. Yeah, when you hear somebody talk about you know it's the love of their life, she really was the love of my life. I mean, I couldn't have picked a more perfect person, and and it is so rare to really connect with somebody that well, mm-hmm. which makes. The aftermath, you know, with her being gone, just so it's 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 really a void, and filling it has been really a challenge. I rely a lot on on poetry mm-hmm. and photography, yeah. and uh, and just hanging out in nature. Yeah, and you know, as you said, you have these wonderful friends. I imagine they are trying to help as well in their way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, my best friend is in Australia, which is, you know, pretty far away. Yeah. But she writes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll go to open up the mailbox and there'll be about half a dozen letters in there because she just feels so bad for me. And she mm-hmm. has so much that she just wants to say to try to make me feel better. And, right. You know, so lovely. And I, most of my friends all live far away. I think another reason that she and I became so close was we, as a lesbian couple, here in the Bible Belt, mm-hmm. we felt really isolated, mm-hmm. and uh, because we were an older couple, mm-hmm. uh, we didn't necessarily connect up with the, the gay community that was basically college kids mm-hmm. on the campus, right. which we didn't know anyway. So um, yeah. it was difficult, and uh, so we had each other, and we made the most of our of our lives by just reaching out to each other. Right. I reached out to Twitter um, initially because it said that if you write, you should find some sort of social media that you can, you know, connect with your mm-hmm. readers. And so I created a Twitter account and connected first with photographers. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just really made a lot of friends. And uh, it, they all have to live far away, but, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just great to connect with the soul, and it, it doesn't really matter the distance sometimes. Right. You don't exactly. even have to be face-to-face to, to really connect with another soul and, and share your feelings. Yeah, yeah. And thoughts. I think that's the, a very incredibly positive effect of the Internet and social media. And yes. obviously, you have this pattern of meeting amazing people, and you met Ange online as well so you never know you could meet somebody another person who will speak to your soul and, and as you said you don't need to be uh, occupying in the same space in order to share that kindred spirit exactly yeah, yeah. and i think given the fact that she left so recently it's going to be an adjustment and it makes sense and you have to grieve as you would do with any major life changes. 
you have to do it at the time that you need to do it in, right? Yes. But I think also because you have access to the college campus, I don't know how far it is from you, and there is fortunately you know an LGBTQ plus community there that if you needed to, you can still connect with them. Is that is that right? Yeah. Okay. And I feel yeah, I I guess I could. I I just yeah, it it does feel weird though to. I'm sure that that they would mind at all. But it does feel weird sometimes when, I guess, trying to connect with someone that is so young to talk about, you know, your loss of something that lasted longer than their entire life has, you know. Right, right. It's a little difficult. It's but. true. But, I mean, there was a, a very large, um, what, a 20-year age gap between the you and Ange as well. So I feel like... Yeah. I feel like maybe... The beauty of your experience, I think these young adults could really benefit from it because, especially in the world that we live in now, where everything seems so unstable and things move so fast. Yeah, they do. I have a, I have a couple of friends that live in Brazil. Mm. They're a couple. I mean, they they don't live in the same city, so they they have a long distance relationship. Mm. They're young. They always thought that that, uh, that Ange and I were adorable. Mm-hmm. Anytime I would talk about her, and uh, I always think that they are. So I, I kind of connected with them, right. and uh, which was different for me because I mean we we never had children. We had animals instead, which you know mm-hmm. works. I mean you know I still have the dog and and four of the chickens. We had a whole bunch of chickens and we had a cat. She had, oh gosh, all sorts of animals all, all her life. She had squirrels and raccoons, and she took care of everything. Mm-hmm. And people would bring things to her because she, she knew how to take care of them. And right. uh, she was so gentle, and, and she just had a way of really connecting with animals. Yeah. yeah. And so we had a lot of animals. Right. And uh, right. as a matter of fact, the last month of her life, we had a cat that died back in March. Mm. The cat came back. Her spirit, we could see her. Mm-hmm. Uh, she would talk to us. Mm-hmm. She would jump down. She'd scratch furniture. She'd do all kinds of things. And uh, she would just kind of appear to us off and on over that whole month. Mm-hmm. And then when Ange was gone, then she left. And uh, so I figured she was just coming to be one of her her guides to the, to the afterlife. Wow. I think, you know, as you said... <clears throat> You can connect with people from far away, as we are right now. Yeah. And, you know, although we do want that closeness and comfort and physical touch because we are human, we are alive, you know, (laughs) we are of material. We have to give ourselves time to grieve and to adjust. And it seems like at least you have a good emotional support network. Oh, yeah. You really do meet some amazing people online. Yeah. There are a lot of people, I think, that, that like me, are very introverted. I'm a bit of a hermit, so mm. just reaching out to anybody is, is really difficult. So I'm just I'm grateful that there isn't online. She always wanted me to make friends, and she encouraged me to find people 
close by. I just, I figured, you know, sometimes you can't pick and choose where you can make friends. They just happen where they happen, and you just need to work with it. Yeah, exactly. And again, I I feel like this is one of the wonderful things about these modern inventions like the internet, social media, and of course, telephone before that. Uh, and and even you know just the act of letter writing, which your friend is doing in Australia, all of these you know wonderful ways that we do manage to keep in touch, even if we are physically distant from each other. And I think one of the things that that made me decide to write my poem was. What you wrote about her actually in those few tweets, and and I felt really like a lot of what you felt, because I I was feeling like, you know, Christmas, <laughs> like end of the year holidays can be can be actually a very lonesome period. So I, you know, was just reading the news a bit and. And feeling a, a transitional period in my own life, and I kind of felt what you were writing, so I decided to write this poem and send it to you. So, if you don't mind, I'm going to read that now. Yes. It's called "Surviving Without Her," and the title actually is from your tweet. It's something that you. You know, the, when you were talking about the practical practicality of Ange, you were saying that you know she was trying to get you to learn to survive without her while she was going through her illness.、Um, anyway, I'll read it now. So, surviving without her. This is goodbye to an old way of life, to smiles and innocence. To painless days, to flocks flying on weightless words, to each scene that inspired countless dreams, to my love, whose companionship values beyond any treasure, whose heart is preserved in every garden harvest, whose delight is inked in gray matter entries, whose tears salt even now. The corners of my lips, curling up to savor the memories of our past, catching the flavors from ice still glistening, releasing birds humming on fluorescent wings, like your spirit that floats, embracing final ascendance. It's, it's a wonderful poem, and I was so touched when you wrote that. I just. I, I couldn't believe it. It just—it really touched my heart. Thank you. And it, it made me wonder if you, as well, had lost somebody. I am—I'm trying to get over a crush. So, <laughs> in a way,、um, I was basically saying goodbye to that crush. So, it, it's more like my distancing rather than you know. So. I felt your loss in searching for a way to leave what's going on with me as well. 
Um, and I really appreciated your tweet back to me because I never know, you know, when it's such a sensitive topic. And of course, at the time, I didn't know how recent your loss was, but it just felt very, very of the moment and very raw. So I just went with my gut and I was very nervous sending it to you because I didn't want to risk offending you. So I really appreciate it. Oh, no, you wouldn't have. Yeah, you, you wouldn't have. I, uh, I I find that when you're going through the process with, with cancer that people disconnect from, to you through through many walks of life and, and, and every place that you go, somebody will connect and sometimes it helps and sometimes it helps them. Right. And, and uh, you just kind of go with the flow. And uh, I mean, every time she went, she, even to get her treatments or to see the doctor, mm-hmm. she would talk to the other people in the waiting room mm-hmm. and ask them how they were doing and how their treatments were going. She took great concern with them. And mm-hmm. uh, so when you, when you shared your poem, well, it just, it, uh, it made me cry. I mean, it touched my heart. Thank you. And, uh, I was actually um, crying when I wrote it. It really, it really meant a lot to me. It, it truly did, and I, I felt like your your words just really captured what I was trying to share. And I, I hadn't planned on sharing the poem mm-hmm. because I, I hadn't, I hadn't shared it with anybody. And then I, I decided to go ahead and, and, and let you read it because you, it was such a beautiful gift that you gave me to to share your poem at that time and to to connect like that. Thank you. Um, sometimes I think that, that perhaps almost that she liked Jake so much and connected with him so much that when I, I came across this later that I would connect with him and uh, that you would see it and that it would just give me a way to connect with writers and to give me an old new perspective with writing. Mm-hmm. You just, you never know what path that, that you'll take from, from experiences that, that happen. Yeah, it's true. Um, even these um, conversations I have with poets, we don't know where it's going to turn, and it's always interesting to just talk together and, throughout poems, try to connect with each other. I'm really happy that you know you connected with what I wrote, and um, and I'm again very appreciative of the fact that you did write back to me <laughs> because I would just like my heart was on tender hooks. I would just like. Is this okay? I guess I didn't want to accidentally hurt you again. Um, oh no! And, and I have—I think that's what a lot of the the people that that follow me back or follow me in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, part of the reason that they like connecting with me is because I I do interact with others, mm-hmm. and uh, I figure that's the whole reason that you get on there is to to interact and to make connections to to let people know how they've touched your life or, or how 
you know, or, or vice versa. And uh, so I, I always try to make sure I talk to people. I wouldn't have let you go. I would have, <laughs> I would have talked to you about it. Thank you. Um, I, and just sharing my poem back was just kind of a spur of the moment, but I just thought that, you know, that that was such a, a wonderful thing that you had done that, that I should, I should share what I'd written with you. Yeah, and I really and, uh, appreciate you doing that. It, it was so nice to see because you talked about in your tweet uh, to Jake about how your friend in Australia had named her the Burr Whisperer after that incident. It was nice to see that story told through your poem. Yeah, she really did refer to it over and over in life. And even when I picked an urn for her for ashes, I chose one that was covered in hummingbirds because I knew that she would like that. Right. And, uh, I mean, it just, she, I mean, you know, when you're at the end of life and, and all you have is pain, mm. and that is all she had. I mean, she had love. She had people around her, but she was in constant pain all the time, and she couldn't get rid of it. Mm. And uh, just the, the little things that you cling to, and this was just something that just could make her light up. And I would spend, you know, any waking moment that I didn't have to be at work trying to find ways to, to make her light up and to take her out of her pain and, and give her anything. And I didn't even know that this was going to be one of those experiences. It was just, we had, uh, at one point, we had the garden mm -hmm. that was just really close to where we put our greenhouse up. We had uh, bird netting on it to keep the birds out of our tomatoes because they kept pecking them. <laughs> and uh, we didn't realize it at the time, or we would have done something to help it. But mm -hmm. a hummingbird got caught in that netting and died, mm -hmm. and uh, it broke our hearts. We just we were just really torn up about it, and we right. took the netting down immediately. Mm -hmm. And so when we saw this hummingbird in the greenhouse, I just panicked because I thought, oh no, it can't happen again. We got right. we got to figure out how we can save this, and I. I tried, I tried, and I, I did everything I could, and then I just, I was getting ready to call her on the phone. I'd gone out, and uh, she just happened to be out on the back deck because she thought that I'd been outside long enough. Mm -hmm. She was ready for me to come back in and spend time with her, and it's like, well, hang on, because I really need you to help me, and she, she <laughs> came right away because mm -hmm. she just, you know, she's there for nature. I mean, I, I would go out at night just to... Make sure that there weren't any butterflies or moths or anything trapped in the greenhouse. And, right. And this year we're get, I'm getting rid of the greenhouse because I don't really know how to start things from seedlings anyway. So um, <laughs> I'll let go of that and I'll try to plant something else there that that will bring all of the creatures that I love closer, so that they'll just it'll make make a little little haven for you. Right. Yeah. I noticed at the end of your poem mm -hmm. that you wrote, when you talked about, you know, that your spirit floats embracing final ascendance, and I thought, well, I never even, it, it, it wasn't until today, because I've read it over and over, but mm -hmm. um, it wasn't until today that it just came with me that you just, you made her like the hummingbird, you know? Yeah. So it was like, you know, allowing her to, 
to go. Mm-hmm. You know, at the same time, capturing her for prosperity and, and words, mm-hmm. but at the same time, allowing her her spirit to move on. Yeah, and uh, that is just such a it's it's really beautiful. Thank you. I don't know how to uh, to put it in words, but it is just so truly, truly beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, I, I as I said, I think that you will recognize because that I took a lot from the tweets that you tweeted about her, and it felt like she was ready and she was prepared, and um, and you know, in any relationship, whether it's um, you know, one partner is emotionally or physically going away we also have to do some the the letting go right even if they're not near us physically and yes i feel like throughout her illness from what you tweeted that she was preparing you to to start your um the next phase of your life as well and she was yeah yeah and so I wrote in that spirit, and I wanted to capture that aspect of what she was like, also to capture how hopefully how you felt, how you feel about her. Um, so but um, some of it, you know, a, a lot of my poetry, the flow is not not really planned i just kind of go with it you know as you know i i changed the ending because i felt the original ending was a bit too heavy because if always felt like the spirit that was floating upwards and i didn't want to drag it down with the last line so now you have the embracing final ascendance instead. She she totally did too. Mm-hmm. When she was told that that they couldn't do anything more for her, mm. she was in the middle of treatment and uh, she just she kept falling down and she would take her to the hospital and you know she'd go back home within a few hours and this last time the doctor said well let let's just do some some tests, let's let's look at some x-rays and things, and they had seen that it was throughout her body. Mm. And so the doctor came up and let us know that there was just nothing more that they could do for her. Right. And she knew she was going into hospice. Mm-hmm. And when they released her from the hospital, mm-hmm. she was smiling, and she was excited, and she said, I'm not going to be sad about this. She says, this is my next great adventure, and mm-hmm. I can't wait. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, you know, what better way to leave the world than to be excited about going on to what happens next? Right. I just, I, it was so beautiful, and uh, I and I hope that I can be just as excited when I go. Yeah. Um, It's often difficult, right? Because we live in this material world and the future, the other world after death is very uncertain. 
I mean, that's why we have so many religions about it and so many stories about it. Yeah. We spend so much of our life being preoccupied by death and the what happens beyond that, you know. And in many ways, our lives are lived driven by the fear of what's going to happen afterwards. I feel like, you know, hopefully the, the cat spirit that came really was a comfort to both of you to to show that there is something afterwards. You know, we don't know what in what form it takes, but you know, there there is still some comfort in seeing that spirit come back and saying, Well, here here's an example of what what it can be, right? Oh yeah. I and mean, we felt good seeing her. Mm-hmm. Um, we weren't sure why she was there, you know. I did after she was gone and you know, and Dolly left with her, so, you know, I knew then what, why she had come back, but it was just, we, I mean, she, she died so quickly. She died in just a little under a year mm-hmm. and, uh, she had her surgery to take up part of a lung in February. Mm-hmm. And then that same month we lost two of our chickens and then we lost our cat and Mm-hmm. March and it was just we had a lot of loss mm-hmm. all throughout that year and uh, a lot that we dealt with and and then of course in in August uh, just before she found out that her cancer had returned we found out that I was losing my job in January you know they're closing the plant that I work at so it was just like all, all of this turmoil all throughout one year period mm-hmm. it was a lot and we. We cried for a while, and then we reached a point where we just said, you know what, life is just so short, and we're just, we're not going to have a long time together. Mm-hmm. And when he told us, you know, that, that she would have at the most maybe a year if the treatment even worked, we just said no more tears. We're, we're not going to cry about this, mm-hmm. and uh, we're just going to really enjoy what time we got left. Mm-hmm. And uh, we pretty much stuck with that, and when I got to the point where, I had to, I, I just, I felt the tears coming back to me, and she was still with me, and I didn't want to bring her down, and mm-hmm. I really found a lot of release in poetry then. It just, it gave me that outlet to, to shed my grief right. without, you know, having to, to, to bring her down, too, because uh, we, we just, we did, we spent all of our free time together. I rode in bed. I did everything in bed. We just, you know, I I go outside for about an hour, walking around, taking pictures. And then I come in, and we'd just be in bed. She would eat supper when she felt like eating, and she'd go right to bed. And sometimes she'd be asleep by five thirty at night, and mm-hmm. it was just enough to be there close and to be able to hold her hand. Mm-hmm. So it's like she was so free there at the end and so excited about what came next that it's like thinking about her floating and embracing final ascendance it was like just just like that hummingbird just excited to to be free yeah no more pain just moving on and seeing what happens next yeah and it sounds like given the unfortunate circumstances surrounding your work and with her passing that you are now untethered as well and and the world is such a big place and you have 
so many friends all over the world that you can go visit them if you like and see if there's another. Well, kind of. I got chickens. And oh, yeah. You don't really go anywhere when you got chickens. No, <laughs> that's right. It's, it's not like finding a pet sitter because no. uh, with a dog you can, but with chickens, people are like, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I can't. <laughs> but. <laughs> so I, I guess I, here, I guess there are no uh, pet places where you can board your chickens, huh? You just can't. No, <laughs> it would be a really good thing. Yeah. Maybe that's something to think of going into business doing. I don't know. Ah. We, even when we went to, uh, we would take them to the vet when they would get sick. Mm. Uh, we asked them once at the vet. We said, well, "What's the oldest chicken that you've ever taken care of that was a pet?" Mm. They said, "How old are your chickens?" We told them. They're like, well, that's the age, because yeah. we were the oldest ones. We uh, oh, wow. we were the only ones that came in and brought their chickens in as pets like that. Wow. Uh, people just don't look at chickens that way, and uh, we no. always did. Yeah. And uh, how old are your chickens? Oh well, the oldest one is going on five. Oh wow! And we've had her for for quite a while, and everybody else is just a little bit younger than that. Mm. I, I sing to them and I read poetry to them. They like poetry. Oh. And, uh, well, it sounds like you are. Uh, <laughs> sorry to interrupt, but it sounds like you're a um, you're a bird whisperer yourself. <laughs> uh, kind of, yeah. <laughs> I suppose with the domesticated kind, yeah. Yeah. Well, hey. I always ask people in concluding where they read. I, I don't know if you. Uh, read your poetry to other people before? Just with a couple of friends from online, mm. I shared yeah. with them poetry, but uh, no, yeah. uh, nobody else. Well, and I shared with her. That right. was about it. Right. Is but, there? Uh, yeah, I'm thinking about doing that more. Yeah, I mean, since you have a college campus nearby, it seems that may, there must be some. Artistic uh, cultural life that you can join to read your poetry, and even online forums. So, if you're not inclined to go outside, especially in the cold, there's there's an option. The other thing I always ask everybody is, how can people follow you? Uh, what social media platforms are you on? Basically, I just do Twitter, mm. um, and it's it's under my own name, Elizabeth Belt. But if there are too many of them. Mm -hmm. Then it's uh, at Eli B is me. Yeah. Yeah. E L I B I S M E. Cool. Mm -hmm. It sounds like people can just easily strike up a conversation with you online. I'm pretty easy going. Yeah. Cool. Cool. As I said before, and I I really appreciate you coming on the show and talking about this subject with me. I hope we will continue to converse. Thank you for, for having me. This is just such a delightful show. Thank you. And you're very, you're very special. And it's, it's, your poetry is just beautiful. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. I hope uh, maybe one day, if you have the time, if you can, if you find a chicken sitter, maybe you'll attend <laughs> <laughs> a reading with me and we can, we can read together. That would be really nice.
Times have certainly changed since Elizabeth and I had our heartfelt conversation together. Now, in order to keep all of us healthy and safe, all of the poetry events I announced are, in fact, online. Um, so please, if you feel a sense of loneliness from this physical distancing, which I um, really understand, please go check out those wonderful events. There are other forms of art online as well. As always, you can follow us at poetsandmuses.com. You can also find us via social media on Twitter as well as Instagram under Poets and Muses. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter either at poetsandmuses.com or at the upper right-hand side of the Poets and Muses SoundCloud page. Now, in addition to being able to listen to our episodes at poetsandmuses.com and via our SoundCloud page, you can also listen to us on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, as well as Stitcher. So thank you very much for listening. I'm your host, Imogen A-Rate. I hope you continue to keep safe and healthy, and I look forward to bringing you another episode next Sunday.